You are listening to Frontlines, a podcast for people who truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. Christine Reed, Executive Director of the North Shore Mountain Bike Association, and if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you'll recognize my voice from past episodes such as Social Media Best Practices and the 2017 Year-End Roundup, and I'm guest hosting this week's conversation. Over the past four years, I have immersed myself in my local mountain bike community. I've played a behind-the-scenes part to support the incredible builders, board members, volunteers, and riders in our community to have great experiences, because I am passionate about the people on the bikes and on the trails. Through this, I've had experiences that are different from others in my community. In March of this year, I attended IMBA USA's Uprising, the first women-focused mountain bike conference in Bentonville, Arkansas. Not only was Bentonville an interesting microcosm for what mountain biking can bring to a community, But during the conference, I became really present to the fact that women are a driving force behind the growth of mountain biking, and we are mostly only speaking, sharing our experiences and ideas amongst our own gender group. I needed to speak and listen to more women, learn how we can shift attitudes and behaviors in our community, engage as many men in the conversation as well, and create a vision for the future, a vision of inclusivity, diversity, and a healthy mountain bike community. Just a heads up, my guests use some flavorful, explicit language that we have chosen not to censor. So if you have children in the car or room listening along with you, please be aware. I'm your host, Christine Reed, and this is episode 45 of Frontlines. Thank you everyone for joining me. We are downtown Vancouver this morning using this new fun sound studio for the first time at Vancouver's Public Library. Shout out to the Public Library system. Brent is working behind the scenes today to ensure we are using the studio to its greatest potential. Also in studio is Cynthia Young, who joined us back in episode 24 to speak about creating partnerships in the bike industry and spoke to the North Shore Mountain Bike Association's trail adoption program, as Cynthia is the trail program and sponsorship manager of the NSMBA. Thank you, Christine. I'm excited to be here. Next, we have Amanda Schultz joining us from Madison, Wisconsin. Amanda previously worked for Trek in product development. She developed the first-ever Women's Brand Ambassador and Women's Mechanics Scholarship programs for the company. Amanda is currently taking her years of knowledge to support other female-driven brands in mountain biking with her company, Lithia Effect. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Danielle Baker is sitting in a truck in North Vancouver, taking a break from her prep work for BC Bike Race, which is also a break from her typical freelance writing work. Danielle has shared her voice and perspective on mountain biking in the media through content creation, and I'm excited to have you here, Danielle. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be participating. I'm so excited to have uh, the four of us sit down and chat. I think I've spoken with a few of you either online or uh, in person about some of these topics that we're going to chat about today, and I'm just excited to be able to record it and share it with other people to hear our experiences and share in it. You were all chosen to speak on this podcast because of the value of your unique female perspective. 
What has it been like being a female in the mountain bike community and how has it formed who you are for the mountain bike community? And maybe share some examples. When I think about my role in the mountain bike community, I, I actually became a mountain biker after I started working at Trek and I was the saddle product manager for about four years. And I got into mountain biking. I came from road riding um, and I got into mountain biking because I really kind of needed to better understand the sport so I could make a better product for both men and women. And I think, you know, it's definitely unique being a woman in the bike industry and definitely being a woman in that position where I'm learning how to mountain bike. And a lot of my colleagues just ripped, right? They know how to, they've been riding forever. And they were all, I have to say, incredibly patient with me and incredibly kind. But I think I brought to the table this person that man or woman learning to ride, you know, a lot of them are designing products for that type of a rider. And they kind of saw through my eyes how difficult it might be to learn or to start from having an athletic background and a road bike background, but not having a lot of skills on the mountain bike. So I think that was my initial experience with it. And then I, I guess I would say there just has been a ton of opportunities for me as a woman and as a, a female in the industry. I was able to go to dirt series. I was able to ride in Whistler and learn pretty quickly and see other people around me learn how to teach people mountain biking, which I love being able to do that. If anything, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of opportunity for me that maybe other people wouldn't have had. Um, and it's because I've, I am a woman. So there's definitely a bright side to kind of being the unique person in the industry. I totally agree with that in that when I started writing in the industry, um, I was often hired because people wanted women-specific content, which was kind of a joke because I didn't really grow up in a traditional sort of, uh, I guess, girly girl way. So I would get there and just be like, I have, I don't know, what are we going to do? Review saddles. That's pretty much the only thing that's going to be different from my perspective. I did. I feel like I did get quite a few opportunities in the beginning because it was it was popular or trendy to have more female content. But I always held my ground in not writing women specific content because I didn't want to be pigeonholed uh, myself. I had you know a lot that I wanted to write about, and I I didn't think it necessarily only pertained to women. Yeah, I think that being a woman in the mountain bike industry is different than being a man in the mountain bike industry for many obvious and maybe not so obvious reasons. I started mountain biking 20 years ago and was really lucky to have my brother and his friends take me under their wing and teach me how to ride. And they treated me like an equal, which was really cool because I never had that feeling that I think a lot of women get where people are expecting them to not be able to pick up the sport very quickly. My brother and his friends just assumed that I could do everything they could do. And so I assumed that I could do everything they could do and I just went for it and I progressed quite quickly and spent about two years riding with them before I ever saw another woman on a mountain bike. So I felt really unique and special and, and had the privilege of showing up to races where I was the only woman sometimes, which, uh, also made me feel unique and special and threw me on the podium, even though I didn't necessarily deserve to be there. That was a really cool opportunity. But I did realize quite quickly that the mountain bike industry was designed for men. And that gear, I wore men's gear, I wore men's shorts, I wore men's gloves. And I never had the opportunity to be taught how to how to ride. 
I feel really fortunate that I got to start out in the sport when I did. And it's been really fantastic to see it change, to see how women portrayed in mountain bike media has changed and to see how um, women racing at the World Cup level has their their talent has just skyrocketed. And now, you know, women's racing is often more exciting to watch than men's racing. And I love that when I see a Crankworks event that men and women are on the podium together. And that would have never happened 10 years ago. And I feel like it's been really neat to be involved from a quote unquote pioneer uh, level. What I'm hearing is that being a woman is our strength and that we've been able to see it be our strength in wanting to participate in mountain bike culture and riding our bikes and being out there. And I'm just curious what you think it is about your strength that you bring to the table. And is it always seen as a strength? Have you uh, struggled with finding what your strengths are? Yeah, I I love that question because I think that really gets to the heart of why inclusivity and diversity is successful in so many realms, especially something like riding mountain bikes, right? So for me personally, I think that I'm I'm bringing that user perspective. I always felt like I was bringing a real consumer perspective to not only the products I was designing and the programs that I was designing, but to the product team, just sort of being able to be incredibly empathetic. You know, I was at a, uh, actually just today, I was at a a workshop about strengths. Strengths Finder has kind of exploded recently. You can take this Strength Finders assessment and see what your top five strengths are. And at least, I think this was a United States poll, but when you divide men and women, men and women have four out of five are the same strengths on average across everybody polled. Women have empathy, men have achiever. All the others are the same. Both men and women have responsibility. They both have input. They both have learner and they both have relator. But I think that where, you know, where we're finding our strength and where the industry is saying, yeah, we need more of this is that community building, that empathy, being able to understand different people's points of view so that we can design different products so we can, you know, design different programs that will work for more people. That strength of empathy, as well as creating community, and then one that Amanda added, uh, responsibility, which is actually my biggest strength, but sometimes I forget all about it. The StrengthsFinder test or book I, I found really interesting. And that one of responsibility is one of the biggest pieces for me in why I am still so heavily involved in mountain biking. I, I really find that aspect of what I can bring to the sport to help keep it sustainable and to help encourage more people to push their limits on a bike, whether that's learning something new like trail building or or trying a new skill or trying a new trail or challenging themselves in other ways just to push their boundaries and learn what they're capable of is a really important thing for me to feel like I can give back to my sport and to the community. And I think that community is what's going to keep our sport sustainable. Mountain biking is an interesting it's an interesting recreation in that we have so much that we have to invest as far as our time and energy to advocate, to use spaces, to to get out on the trails and maintain them. There's not a lot of sports that expect you to take care of 
where you recreate. Not a lot of soccer players are out there you know, taking care of the pitch before they go play. And swimmers don't have to clean the pool when they're done. I think that a, a strength that I bring, again, through my writing is um, I, I grew up in a small town, not afraid to be different, not afraid to be um, unique, um, and not afraid to be honest about who I am. And, and that's helped me um, to share stories that are, are very personal. And I think a lot of that has to do with empathy and, and feeling empathy for other people that may be in similar situations. And also in sharing probably one of the, the, the greatest honors I have in what I do is being able to share other people's stories um, with my writing. And that's always feels like a huge responsibility and in, in getting it right when you're sharing something that's very personal to someone else. And I think having empathy as a strength really helps me to do that. Absolutely. So just for the uh, people who are listening, the book we're referencing is Strengths Finder. We'll include it in the show notes. But one of my strengths is is connection. I have found this to be the uh, epitome of my success in role as the executive director of the North Shore Mountain Bike Association. I don't come from a trail building background. I don't come from a mountain bike background. Um, I do use the trails and I love my community and my connection to my community. And all I do in my job is connect people and bring them together and encourage them to collaborate and speak together. I love this conversation about our strengths specifically around the Strengths Finder. This is a fantastic question that you asked, and I love the answers that everyone has provided. And I love that none of the answers are, you know, I think sometimes our culture is like, oh, well, women in mountain biking, it's great to have them because they're so good at teaching other people and they're so good at making things look pretty. And there's this, sometimes I find that there's a bit of that misconception that women involved in the sport is a good thing because they bring these stereotypical feminine strengths or, st or, or feminine characteristics to the sport that we need for balance. But I think what we're hearing is that mountain bikers are mountain bikers. We all have different strengths and it doesn't, it doesn't really necessarily mean that if you're a woman, you have a specific set of strengths, or if you're a man, you have a different set of strengths. So we all bring something different to the table. It's why we need to include more voices, more types of people, um, more strengths, more diverse perspectives to have a balanced and healthy community. Well said. I love what Cynthia was pointing out there and saying that what we're finding is that everyone working together and bringing their different strengths and diversity to the table is what's really going to contribute to a, a very healthy community. So I do want to acknowledge that all of our voices here are all white female voices and that there are a lot of other different types of voices that are missing in not only this conversation we're having today, but in the mountain bike community at large as well. What are your thoughts on that? And, and what are you doing to include these voices or pro uh, provide opportunities for other voices that you feel are missing in the community as well? It's funny, this, this question made me reflect on, on if, I, if I actually do any of that, which I don't. Um, so that was, uh, was interesting for me to, to really think on. I don't actively try to include anyone when, I, when I'm writing. I, I share my own personal stories um, in hopes that other people can connect with them and, and you know, uh, build community around that and, and um, you know, see that they're not alone depending on, you know, the topic and stuff. Um, but as far as being inclusive, really, I just, 
I look for interesting stories and, and um, unless it's assigned very often, it's, it's generally just people that I meet that I find interesting, um, which is probably why I love my job so much because I, I do have quite a bit of control over what I get to write about. You know, for example, a, a story that I've done recently on um, Terriones, I did it because Tara's a good friend, but her story is fantastic. It's, it's an incredible story. And, and she will say herself, she hates to be called inspirational. So I won't call her inspirational, but I think that a lot of people can connect to that story, whether they've been through similar things, similar emotions, similar um, accidents or injuries in their lives. But it's also something that can help our, our community going forward to demystify the idea of massive injury and, and that an injury um, that may paralyze you would take you out of your community and, and sort of taking some of the fear away from, from what life looks like beyond injury. So I can't say that I, I work hard to, to be inclusive, but I do look for stories like that that will help to, to, to build our community um, and, and give us more tools as we, as we become an older or sort of uh, a sport with more longevity. That's great, Danielle. You're not going to be able to tackle and include all of these voices all at once. So I wouldn't I wouldn't feel bad about it. Um, but I think it's just an awareness that that's growing um, in our community is that there are a lot of voices that are missing. And um, I'm just curious as to whose responsibility is that? How do we move forward to include those voices? And what is the value in doing so? I'm going to echo what Danielle is saying, that I also feel like I'm not actively being inclusive personally, but I do feel like I I am actively not exclusive. I try really hard to let people know that I will ride with anyone, anytime, anywhere, and I just love being in the forest with fun, cool people. As long as you have a great attitude, I don't care what your ability or fitness level is. It, you know, if more people in, in the sport of mountain biking felt like they could take that on every now and then and say, yeah, sure, I'll ride, I'll ride with you. And I don't care what your, what your fitness level or your skill level is. Let's just go have a good time in the forest. I realize that as mountain bikers, we participate in this sport for our own personal benefit. Like it's it's important to get out there and 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 push your limits sometimes, or to just really get a good workout. But every now and then, you can you know I've heard <laughs> I've heard people call them charity rides, which I think is really sad because mountain biking can be such an amazing social experience. But get out there and take someone riding who is new to the sport or has maybe never ever participated in the sport hook them up with a bike that's not hard to do uh, and and expose them expose more people to our sport and then when you see someone on the trails just be my my thing now is I smile and say hi to everyone that I see out there and it's it's shocking how often I don't get a smile or a high back I think if more of us were to make the trails a welcoming place instead of, you know, sometimes it's a place of judgment and sometimes it's a place of assumption. The more that we can remove those expectations of a person based on their appearance, the more people will feel welcome out there and 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 the less people will get turned off from the sport. 
I've, I've heard too many stories of people going and trying mountain biking and having a bad experience because someone made an assumption about them or someone treated them a certain way or gave them that judgment that, oh, you don't belong here, so you should leave. And they do. They leave and they don't come back. <laughs> so being actively inclusive maybe isn't our responsibility or maybe it is. But I think being actively non-exclusive is something that anyone and everyone can do. Yeah, I like the way you say that. Um, I also sort of, you know, I was kind of pondering how how am I doing my part here? And I think one, well, one of the ways is my my business is really designed to help companies reach underserved or ignored markets. That's what I'm setting out to do and wanting to do is you know, organizations may have a lot of success with their core market, but they need help sometimes to see and uncover all the pieces that need to be adjusted to reach new markets, whether that's women, Latin American, African American, um, you know, you name it. So that's one of the ways that I'm that I'm that I'm here to help. It's something that really motivates me. But I personally, I, I try to kind of I think similar to what you're saying, you know, I try to go find somebody who it looks completely different than, than I do and talk to them, you know, whether it's on the bike or at a function or, um, you know, wherever, wherever I am. And it does, I don't always do it. Sometimes I'm not in the mood to be that outgoing and personal, but when I do, I'm always really happy about it. You know, I always bring a different perspective. I always learn something about just, you know, that particular person and their, their perspective. So I think even in little ways, that makes a big difference. I totally agree. And I think that attitude in general helps to build our community because I, I take that same approach to all trail users. I probably am more likely to smile and say hello to people that aren't on bikes just because I know that we're lucky to have the trails that we have. And I want to represent mountain bikers in a light that uh, is positive to, to everybody involved. So I, I think just um, being friendly and smiling and Again, I totally hear you on not always feeling like it. I definitely, there's days that I really don't feel like it, um, so I don't. But I think that's a really positive attribute that our community can have. And I think one of the, the cool things that can come from that is a bit of education too, because I find, you know, there's been times that I've felt negatively towards people learning on the trails, and it's only because they're ignorant of, of things like don't stand at the bottom of a drop. Don't stand on top of a jump. Don't, you know, don't let your dog run over, over the trail, those kind of things. But that's all education that needs to be shared with them. And again, that can come from, from just being friendly and open and inclusive. It doesn't have to be a negative response. Thanks, Danielle. I'm going to add, I've been sharing more my personal approach to these things and um, and how I think other mountain bikers might identify with this. But I should stipulate that in my professional life, the NSMBA and uh, some of the programs we're creating are, we're actually working really hard to be more inclusive. And, and in that space, I feel like I am being very actively inclusive. We started a pilot program this year called Build Curious, where we've invited anyone and everyone from our community to come and get curious about trail building and trail maintenance and just see what it 
what it feels like to be out in the forest and move some dirt around and move some rocks and meet some of the people who are actively maintaining our trail network. Uh, and it's been a really, really great experience in um, inviting out people who might not normally come to a trail day or might feel intimidated with their lack of skill or lack of experience in trail maintenance uh, and give them, it's it's given them this spot where they can come and feel welcome and they get to learn uh, and then also meet other people. Um, so that's been really cool. I think we're going to see more diversity from opportunities like this when, when we reach out actively to our community and say, everyone's welcome, please come join, please, if you're new, please come and, uh, and learn and meet us and see what we're all about. Um, you know, I just would also say, like, I think we're all probably hypercritical of ourselves in this in this space, but we we see the opportunity, and you know I know I can do more, and so I think it's it's a great question to bring up, and it's a great thing to sort of continue to talk about and to continue to talk about in your community, just sharing ideas of how to reach new people and how to bring people that may feel excluded, how to reach out to them, how to when they do show up at a event or at the trail, like. Just saying, hey, great to see you, can go a long way. Danielle, earlier you mentioned that uh, when you first started writing and were being approached to write content, that you felt pigeonholed. And I just wanted to know if you can expand upon that a little bit more and um, tell us about that experience and how you feel like you've created that shift. Because I really see the work that you've done and being able to create a shift in the mountain bike culture and, and sharing from a very personal place. What I was uh, kind of getting at earlier was that when I when I started writing, um, a lot of the companies, um, magazines, and and websites that wanted to work with me wanted me to write women specific only, and they didn't even really know what that was. They just kind of knew that that was something that they needed to have, and so I I chose not to for the fear of, of being pigeonholed, um, and also for the fear that I I could probably produce about one women specific article, and that was about all my range had. So I obviously went a different route, which was just to to write with what my strengths were, write about what I knew, write about community and my own personal stories, and and that's been wonderful. It's 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 definitely been been a highlight for me, um, and and it's allowed me to. Well, to travel, um, to meet, you know, some of my heroes in mountain biking and tell their stories. I've, I've had some incredible experiences through it. I would say probably one of the most read articles I've, I've written uh, and by far the most personal um, article I wrote in the mountain bike community was about depression. With, you know, well beyond the mountain bike community, um, the outreach that I had in response to that article was incredible. People from all over the world contacted me um, asking questions for themselves or for friends and by no means, you know, was I an expert, but I shared what information I could and, and shared my story in more depth when it was requested. As far as uh, sort of the more negative side, I mean, I think, um, I mean, anybody can read the comment section <laughs> if, uh, if you want to have a look. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, the, the very, very first article I ever wrote for the mountain bike industry um, was called The Power of Not Giving a Fuck, I think, um, or something along the, that line. And it talked about you know, that mountain bikers can take themselves a bit too seriously, um, you know, especially at that time. And the comments on that 
kind of were like, oh, like, this dude's an asshole, and I would never ride with this guy, and blah, 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 blah. And then, like, partway down the comments, somebody realized I was a woman. And uh, and then all of a sudden it was like, well, she's a slut, and she's a whore, and she's, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, wow, like, all of a sudden just... Same same content, but my gender changed, and now all of a sudden it's it's uh, comments about you know my my sexual history, which again it it didn't bother me because that stuff really doesn't bother me. I mean, if somebody points out my bad grammar, that I really take to heart. Like that can make me cry. But somebody that I don't know calling me names because they didn't like what I had to say doesn't bother me as much being able to see the impact of you sharing and being very vulnerable and having this voice is just, it's so special. It's needed and wanted and um, people want to stand up and, and be with you and support you through it. So it's been, it's really cool to hear that story. And I just, I hope that you continue on this, this journey of sharing not only your stories and experiences, but the experiences of other people as well. Like, thank you for the work that you do. It's, it's really great. Well, thank you. I'm going to add to Christine's thank you, Danielle. Thank you for having the courage to speak up in a space that often isn't friendly to those who are honest and personal. So, and and your so many of your stories have touched me in a really positive way. I loved your article, "The Problem with Vaginas," uh, which also really resonated with me. Um, I I too feel I feel pigeonholed often by the by the mountain bike industry. That okay, well you're you're a woman on a mountain bike, so that makes you a female mountain biker, which is. You, we would never say to a man on a mountain bike, oh, you're a male mountain biker, uh, which <laughs> I don't identify as a female in the mountain bike world. I identify as a mountain biker in the mountain bike world. I have to say you hit the nail on the head right there with a female mountain biker. That's exactly it. And it's that that's kind of like behind everything I do because it's that um that idea where when I turned down writing women specific stuff I went through this phase of well am I not a feminist like does that mean that I'm not for women and that's but I find so much more strength in that idea that you're a mountain biker like that is the equality it's it's not that you're a female mountain biker that's almost like saying you're special or better or or pointing out a difference I think um our equality and strength comes from being like hey we like mountain biking and it's okay that we like mountain biking because it doesn't matter what our gender is. Um, and I think that's really cool. So thank you for putting that into words. Cynthia and I are both amening in the air right now, like <laughs> fist pumping while you were talking because um, we both relate to that. And I'm, I will let Amanda speak to uh, how that makes her feel. It's hard for me to say how it makes me personally feel because I spent so much of my brain power thinking about how it makes you know what the what a company should do to reach a women's market and one of the things that I really struggled to get across um, in my roles is that women are not a single user group and you guys are speaking to this right now you know there and, and the trick is when you're a big company and you're trying to cater to a big audience of 50% of the population that are happen to be women there's a range, right? There's the woman who's never mountain biked before that wants to. There's the woman who's winning World Cups, right? So there's this huge spectrum. And oftentimes, I think it's definitely changing, but especially five years ago, probably when you were asked to 
write those women-specific articles just because there was a need and they didn't know exactly what the need was, but they knew they needed it. <laughs> you know, companies too were just like, we need something, right? And, and I, you know, Cynthia, you said you identify as a mountain biker. And if I were designing a product for you, I would be designing a mountain bike for a mountain biker. And there are a lot of other women who don't identify as a mountain biker. They walk into a store and they say, I'm not a mountain biker. I'm, you know, just starting, right? And so, those people were designing bikes for, you know, a different a different audience, actually, but they're both women. And so that, I think, has melted the brain of the industry a little bit, you know, and it certainly melted mine for a while. But different brands are taking different approaches, and I think that's awesome. You know, Juliana, Liv, Specialized Trek, everybody's kind of taking their own approach to it. And I, I think that's really what you know, the audience, the, the women's mountain bikers slash mountain bikers need, they need, they need more, right. They need more what, of what is suitable for them, regardless of, you know, if they identify as a mountain biker first or a female first. We are complex creatures, just as complex as men are. So <laughs> I think uh, having the range, just like you were talking about, Amanda, and different bike brands and the approach that they're taking, I think collectively, when you look at them all individually, they're doing very different things, but collectively, it, it, they're kind of, they're all working together to to push forward and encourage more women to get into mountain biking and exactly. um, all speak to the different types of women that are either choosing to identify as a female mountain biker or a mountain biker or a hiker or somebody who's just getting into the sport or somebody who's been in the sport for a long time. And I think we kind of evolve from and can be fluid with how we identify and how we ride our bikes and at different points and times in our lives as well. So I'm excited for, for what is to come as well. Yeah, it's going to be a good future. I mean, I think we're, we've been through, I feel like these last four to six years have been really sort of just a, a big gestation period for mountain bikes in general and growing the sport and the, the diversifying audiences a bit. And I think it's just going to compound and get better and better. What do you feel like is our vision for the mountain bike community 10 years from now? That's a tough one. I, I, I'm hopeful, you know, I, I'm hopeful that it's a diverse vision and it's an inclusive vision. I hope there are more trails. I think there's, I hope there's more trails that are uh, accessible to more people. And, you know, kind of to your point earlier, Cynthia, that, that the community of mountain bikers are taking care of those. In, in whatever capacity fits their strengths, right? That if they're good with an axe and a rake, then they're out there physically doing the work. If they're better at community and connecting people, then they're out there building community around it. So I, I think in general, like I see this vision of more inclusivity, more people like Danielle telling stories and, and more people that are different than Danielle telling stories, but really rich stories, sharing uh, perspectives and and more people using their voice. I mean, there are only a few women in the industry that really speak loudly, especially if you're talking about the niche of mountain biking, let alone cycling in general. And we need more women. You know, we need more women. We need more folks of diverse backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, culturally diverse people. I totally agree. And I wholeheartedly would love to have more women writing and just to have more women that have different opinions than me would be fantastic because I I struggle sometimes with 
with representing women in my writing because I I didn't have that traditional upbringing so I don't always feel like I'm speaking for women and I also um, don't think that uh, it is possible to speak for everyone without having more voices. I think that looking to the future, you know, I think about Cynthia and I, I believe Cynthia started writing before I did, not to out your age, Cynthia. Um, but I think, I think you started writing before, writing before I did. And I know plenty of women who did start writing, you know, a solid decade before I did. And even when I started, you know, I was wearing men's elbow pads for knee pads and, and, um, you know, things, things I, I had those, um, like men's shorts that had room for a penis in them and they got like hooked on my seat all the time. And, you know, all that stuff that you kind of get through, but, and, and I'm not a jock, I'm not a traditional athletic person at all I faked cramps all through like high school gym class I like I've never played a team sport I didn't do anything athletic before I hadn't ridden a bike since I was eight years old when I started mountain biking given how many women are now riding bikes from when I started 15 years ago looking forward I can only assume that because the path has gotten easier and hopefully the crashes due to your long shorts getting stuck on your seat less. I just, I think that it can't help but but grow. Um, and that means more representation through companies, more representation in writing, more representation in photography, because the opportunities are there. You know, as the industry grows, there's always going to be more opportunities. So I think that, um, you know, mountain biking in, in general has a, a really exciting future ahead of it. Thanks, Danielle. I agree. The future is really bright, especially in North Vancouver now, something you never would have seen five years ago that I see on the regular is parents riding with their kids. And I can't imagine the kind of mountain bikers we'd all be if, uh, well, Danielle started riding 15 years ago. So obviously she was pretty young when she started riding. (laughs) (laughs) I think I started riding before you were born, Danielle. (laughs) Um, yeah, these parents are riding with their kids. It's great. And I think that's where we're going to see an, a change in the gender, gender diversity. People are taking their daughters mountain biking. People are taking their nieces mountain biking. And the diversity of the next generation is happening organically because, um, because it is the next generation and uh, mountain bikers are taking their kids riding. I, my parents never mountain biked. Uh, it wasn't a thing. So uh, that's happening and it's awesome to see. It's something that that I I have two children um, who I force to ride mountain bikes quite frequently, and they're getting to the point where they love it. And uh, now they're asking me to go, and that's really exciting for me. I think the you know the diversity uh, in other aspects other than gender uh, is going to be is going to take some work. Um, I've been having conversations with people about how I see a lot of gay women on the trails, but I don't think I've ever met a gay man that mountain bikes. Um, and and what is it about what is it about mountain biking that either doesn't attract gay men to the sport, or is it that we're we're or is it that the sport's not a welcoming place for a gay man? I don't know, um, but that's a that's these are conversations that we have to keep having and and acknowledge and be aware of, and and look at how we can change things in our culture and the way that our media 
portrays what a mountain biker is and isn't so that we're making it more welcoming um, so that we can hopefully be become a more diverse space. We also, we've mentioned a bunch of times, it's primarily white people riding bikes. And what is it about mountain biking that's either attractive to white people or if if people of color are just not seeing people of color riding, so they're not getting out there and riding themselves. But again, I think that's something that's, our culture is changing really rapidly. And I hope that micro, that mountain biking continues to be a microcosm of the culture and continues to progress. And uh, yeah, the that that bright future is um, is I'm really hopeful for it as well. So just to echo a bit of Cynthia's pieces about the youth, like I'm really excited about including more youth, especially on the North Shore, while we discuss diversity and inclusivity. Because in talking with people who are uh, a lot younger than me, they're very comfortable with inclusivity and diversity and they they've grown up with it um they have spent a lot of time understanding pronouns and being very accepting and listening to other voices and seeing value in that Uh, and it's very encouraging i i am interested in speaking to more youth and, and learning from them and i think looking to them and supporting them in ways that we can as a trail organization will only benefit the entire community. Uh, I think sometimes different generations look back on uh, the the ones com- up and coming and, you know, I am labeled a millennial and I absolutely despise that label because labeling any generation of people has never done it any good. But I hope to change that in looking to the generations um, that are up and coming and being able to turn to them and give them a hand up and let them understand and realize that that they're there to teach me as well and um, that I have a lot to learn and and that I their voice is just as important as as mine is in my generation and the generations before me. I, I think that seeing the kids out on trails is, is one of the best things. Um, I can't remember where I was riding the other day. It was Squamish or North Vancouver. And, and seeing kids riding around and just seeing that next generation, I think one of the things that people forget when we're sort of um, hitting our heads against the wall over this or that in the mountain bike industry is that mountain biking is very young. And, uh, and, and this really is like one of the first generations that we're really going to fully see where parents got their kids into mountain biking, just like people get their kids into skiing. And I think that's really exciting. I think it's also going to, you know, push the the sport at a competitive level to, to, you know, feats we've never seen before, which is really exciting. Yeah. For the NSMBA, like our, our youth are not only volunteers who are coming out for uh, lack of a better word, child labor at the moment. Um, <laughs> but they are also our next trail stewards. They are our next trail advocates. They are our next board members and staff of our organization. So we really want to leave them thinking and feeling about their local trail association and their local trails like they are a part of it and they have a sense of ownership and that they see value in in the network that is just in their backyards and that they are very privileged um, to have this experience and that they too can then share that privilege with other people that they know in their communities or outside of their communities and be able to bring them out on the trails as well. So 
the the next generation is very encouraging. I don't want to give up on uh, the work that we're doing or the work of the generations before us, but I, I the future is friendly, as they say, and I'm very excited. I, I just love everything you guys have said, and I think, you know, just kind of hearing you talk a little bit and thinking, okay, I just turned 40 a couple weeks ago, so in 10 years I'm going to be 50, and I see so many women in their 50s and 60s getting into mountain biking. So, you know, if we're all kind of forwarding the clock 10 years and we've got a little more wrinkles and a few more scars maybe, but, you know, we're still out on the trails and maybe we're better than we are. Maybe we're riding tougher lines than we, we do now. And to, also to your point, Cynthia, not to just be the echo chamber here, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it is going to take a lot of work when we have to reach out and and include people that aren't that we don't see on the trail enough, you know, that and, and I don't have the answers either. But I think you start with conversations and you start with with welcoming them in and, and you learn, right? So um I think the industry is ready for that. And and I, when I say industry, I, I mean outdoor industry. Beyond mountain biking, beyond cycling, the outdoor industry is is woken up to that. So I want to acknowledge that a lot of the listeners of the Frontlines podcasts are male. And I want us, as we kind of conclude this conversation, to engage and involve them. And in doing so, what do you feel like if you have their their ears and their open hearts right now? What is it that you would love for them to hear in terms of being an ally for diversity and inclusivity, not only with more female representation in the mountain biking community and culture, but also other representation and additional representation. We talk about the the demographic of mountain bikers as being predominantly white, middle-aged men. I happen to really like white, middle-aged men. <laughs> I'm even married to one. <laughs> and I ride with a lot of them. Um, and, the, and, you know, my brother and his friends, who were once 14-year-old boys, they are now white middle-aged men, and uh, they still inspire me with, um, you know, they're out, they're still out there riding, they're teaching their kids to ride, and what I'd like to say to them is thank you for encouraging me as a female mountain biker who doesn't identify as a female <laughs> mountain biker. Thank you for encouraging women out there. Um, thank you for teaching your daughters how to ride bikes. Mm-hmm. Um Thank you for cheering for women at local events. Um, thank you for not mansplaining to me when it's really not necessary. Um, so thank you for being out there and for being advocates of the sport. Thank you for being our trail builders and our board of director members. Um, thank you for owning bike shops and encouraging everyone of every color, every shape, every size, every gender to get out there and get stoked about mountain biking. Keep doing what you're doing and be aware of your privilege and be aware of how mountain biking portrays the white middle-aged man. And is that really who you are? Um, is that, is, is there more that we can portray? Is there more stories that can be told? And how do we include, how do we include and increase the demographic of the people that aren't the white middle-aged man? 
and have conversations with people and keep just keep encouraging people that look different than you do. Most of the people who have taught me how to ride have, have been men. And I don't, you know, I, I hear stories um, and that, but I don't know if maybe I've just been really fortunate or, you know, if the, the stories that make it to the surface that are sort of negative and very gendered are just sort of fewer and far between. But I don't, I don't really think that mountain biking, yeah, it's predominantly male, but I would say it's more predominantly people who want a mountain bike. Um, and I think that, uh, so for the listeners, you know, sort of whoever they are, I would just say that mountain biking is your community and you need to take care of it just like we take care of the trails, right? If you see someone, my new favorite word is dill hole. So if you see someone being a dill hole, male or female or other, shut them down, you know, have them respect your community, be proud of your community and the people that are contributing to it and, and take some responsibility for things that you see, you know, speak up and educate people. I mean, I like to believe that, you know, a lot of the things that happen negatively are just out of ignorance. So if you see someone being rude to a beginner rider, you know, maybe there's some education that can happen there. But would like to say um, thank you to all of the men and women who have had the patience to teach me how to mountain bike because it was not fun for those first couple of years. If I had been stronger, I would have thrown my bike a lot more times. So um, yeah, I, I definitely echo what Cynthia has to say there. Yeah, and I would, I, well said both of you. Um, I am also married to a wonderful white middle-aged guy who I love to ride my mountain bike with. I guess, you know, I think you guys really summed it up. I, I think when... I think about maybe I've said this already reaching out to people that you aren't like, you know, just to understand what their experience is. I think one of the things that I took for granted is I was surrounded by women's experiences because I would, I was working in that space, you know, across all disciplines of cycling. So I heard when a woman who was too heavy to fit into an extra large short would be crying in the bike retailer because she couldn't fit into the shorts, you know, and all she wanted to do was get on her bike and ride because it made her happy. And she's looking to lose a little weight and, you know, be healthier. Right. So I heard all these stories and it got to a point where when we were doing the scholarship program that one of the partners that I was working with to design the program, you know, he'd been in the bike industry a long time. He'd worked with consumers in the field for over 10 years. And I, I considered him a very, progressive person, but it took him getting on the phone with some of the applicants to hear it from them, to hear that the wrench is taken out of their hands and they actually want to be in the service department, but they're told to go to the cashier and they're told to go sell clothes because that's where the bike shop felt that they were most useful. And so once he realized this, he came to me, he's like, Amanda, this is an epidemic, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah, I, I know. I, I hear this all the time. So I guess if anything is just, you know, be, be listening, be listening to different people's stories and, and be telling your own, you know, to, to all the listeners out there, use your voice, tell your story. Danielle, please continue to tell wonderful stories as I know you will. Um, and then hopefully more people follow in your footsteps and when we can get more, more ways people enjoy mountain biking into the media and it can become just more commonplace. And once that happens, Really, it's the tide that lifts all boats. You know, there's more economic benefit from mountain biking and more growth. 
I will paraphrase this very, very badly. So maybe it can also be included in the notes for the podcast. But uh, Tina Fey, uh, her book is, well, not only amazing because it's it's Tina Fey, but she had some really great words around uh, when she was uh, an actress performing on the road and, and um the idea of like of of improv and the, and being told that nobody would want to see two women on stage and and she's like but but we write the scripts so why can't we just write scripts that include more women and that's how i feel about the mountain bike industry you know like if we want to see more women or more people in general more diversity represented in it it just needs to keep growing and and you need to one we need to keep it growing to create opportunities for other people, but the people who feel passionately about being involved need to create their own opportunities as well. And uh, and I definitely would put that challenge to, to people who, who want to be here and want to be involved because there are opportunities if you look for them and push for them and ask for them. The people included in this podcast today that are speaking have already gotten to a point where we don't put expectations on people based on their gender. But I think there's a lot of people out there that that default to doing that sometimes. And that's one more thing that I want to throw out there to people who are listening is ditch the assumptions. And what the, especially with female mountain bikers, a lot of people equate female mountain biker with beginner mountain biker, or or maybe we're being really generous and they're an intermediate mountain biker. And, and the flip side of that is a lot of people assume that a male mountain biker with high quality gear or who's someone who's spent a lot of money on their, on their bike is an experienced mountain biker. And, and ditch that assumption too, because perhaps that person wants directions to the, to the coolest new blue square flow trail that you just happen to be pedaling up to. It's it's something that we can all be better at is not assuming based on people's appearances, but especially not putting expectations on women based on their gender and not assuming that that a female mountain biker wants to be part of a women's only space as well. I think um, bike shops and bike brands are really great at creating women's only opportunities as a default way to get women involved in mountain biking. And I think sometimes we could look a little closer at how do we get women involved in the programming we already have? How do we get more women involved in the group ride we already lead? How do we get more women involved in this thing that already exists, but for whatever reason, women are not comfortable coming out to it and you're finding it as a male predominant area rather than creating a women's only space, which can often be really, really valuable. Some some women really appreciate that women's only space, but not all women are going to get engaged in mountain biking through a women's only space. Yeah, I'd like to acknowledge the North Shore Mountain Bike Association when they chose to hire me over four years ago. I did not look, sound, feel, or ride like a mountain biker, um, but they saw value in who I was, what I was willing to contribute to the community, and how much work and effort I was willing to put into it. And it has only brought me, as well as the organization and the community, 
great, great benefit. So to those who are listening, look outside of your traditional mountain bike community when you're hiring, when you're considering board of directors, when you're looking for volunteers in your community. Um, just take an extra second and say like, well, who who else have I not reached out to or what have, who else have I not considered? And maybe make the decision that might seem a little bit more risky, but the person is the right fit, not they look like, sound like, feel like a mountain biker. I, uh, I totally believe in that, looking at uh, BC Bike Race and the team that we have for the event. It's, it's incredible. I mean, if we had filled all of the places on our team with people who mountain bike and then on top of that, based it on their mountain bike skills, um, we wouldn't be a successful organization. We have people who didn't even ride bikes when they started. They ride bikes now because that's a part of our company culture is to get people excited about the sport. But we have people that ride at all levels. We have people that ride different. They don't mountain bike, but they ride bikes in some way. But the people that we do have are um, incredibly good at what they do. And that's that's the secret to success. And uh, and it, it makes me really happy to see that that we've taken that route because it, it it's given us a lot of diversity. Thank you, everyone, for sharing your morning with us to discuss this topic, for being so vulnerable and sharing so openly, because I know you're all up to incredible things that fill your time. So thank you for carving out this time for me today. Thank you so much for including me. It's It's been wonderful to talk to all of you. I just want to say thank you so much for creating this. And I'm so fortunate that we met at the IMBA Uprising, uh, both, both you, Cynthia and Christine. You're leading by example. And I think that's how you create good, you know, how you create change is you change your world, you change what you want to see, you change the people you're around, and you change the way you react to whatever the situation. Um, and then that has a ripple effect. So I just want to say kudos to you both and keep it up and awesome to meet Danielle as well. And I just look forward to continuing the relationship and hopefully writing someday. Christine, thank you for bringing us all together and for finding a group of women who are all passionate in different ways and have different perspectives and uh, thoughts on this sport that we love so much. So thank you for including me and uh, I'm really looking forward to continuing the conversations that we're having with, um, with this group and with other people in our community. So thank you. Trails connect us from A to B, but they also help us to reconnect with ourselves and our community. The vision of a more diverse community is valuable. Danielle, Amanda, and Cynthia shared their experiences and perspectives, but there are many more that are missing. We would love to hear all the other stories, experiences, challenges you personally or your trail association has encountered, or what your vision of the future looks like. Send us an email or audio file so that we can continue this conversation and share more viewpoints and support each other in challenges. There is much power and energy found in uncovering the process and inequalities so we can make space for something new to exist. Because of this, the North Shore Mountain Bike Association chose to make a stand recently in our community by creating the Trails for All statement. This statement sheds light on the privilege that we as mountain bikers have to afford beautiful bikes and live in beautiful places that have incredible trail networks, and that our responsibility is to think of how we are welcoming to those who are new to the sport, new to trail work, 
or have felt intimidated by it all? How can we shift our marketing, volunteer engagement strategies, and programming to be more inclusive? You can view the Trails for All statement at nsmba.ca slash trailsforall. I want to thank Amanda, Danielle, and Cynthia for joining me in this conversation, Brent for providing the platform to do so, and the community of listeners for considering what you have heard today, how it can be applied to your local community. So send us your audio files or emails, info at frontlinesmtb.com, which can also be found in the show notes. Along with that, you will find a link to the Frontlines Book Club, where you can purchase both of the books that were mentioned in today's episode. The Strengths Finder, and Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. Remember, a portion of any purchases made on Amazon after following those links will be sent to the podcast. This podcast is made possible through donations and support from listeners like you. Like always, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FrontlinesMTB. You can also find me, Christine Reed, at ChrisReed456. You can stream the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And if you haven't done so already, leave us a review at wherever you get the show. It helps others to find the podcast. Next episode, Brent will be back hosting for what will be the final episode before Frontlines takes its summer break. The guests will be Melissa Workman, the Executive Director of the Michigan Mountain Biking Association, Tom Stusey, Executive Director at Vermont Mountain Bike Association, and they'll be discussing the 2018 Mountain Bike State Summit in Grand Rapids, Michigan, happening November 6th and 7th. And in addition, Jay Darby of IMBA Canada will be back on the show, along with myself, and we'll be discussing the Trail Advocacy Symposium happening in North Vancouver, British Columbia on October 12th to 14th. For those events and others like it, you can check out the events calendar on frontlinesmtb.com slash events. And finally, I'm Christine Reed. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening and happy trails.